0: Well, let's dig deeper into this uh, wonderful passage in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. As we do, we find surprises left, right and center. We find hope, we find uh, encouragement, we find mercy, we find the love of God. And uh, Paul is holding nothing back in this passage. Now, just to remind you, the passage itself... If God is for us, Paul says, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So Paul has concluded from the gospel and the sacrifice of Christ and from Old Testament prophecies that God is for us. And then he makes this wonderful statement, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? Well, you know, I have taught that and I've preached on that and lectured on it for years. But only recently have I come to realize that Paul has in mind, it's almost incontrovertible this is, the book of Ezekiel. You see, in Ezekiel, God says that he is going to send his severe judgments upon Israel, plague, famine, wild beasts, the sword. That's Ezekiel 14, verse 5. Uh, Rather, I'm sorry, that's Ezekiel 5, verse 17, and 14, verse 21. So, Paul looks back on those things, and he sees that God is bringing judgment upon Israel. But how does he interpret it? Well, look again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? In other words, Paul is saying that though God sent those terrible judgments upon Israel, it does not separate Israel from God's love in Christ. Those, this is one of the best and clearest indicators that judgments were meant to bring redemption. They were not meant to send Israel to hell or, or Gog and Magog to hell, but rather that they should know that God is the Lord. Now, let me give you some very interesting parallels in the book of um, Uh, Between Ezekiel, rather, and Paul, just to make this point clear. There are numerous parallels between Ezekiel and the Romans' letter, and they leave us in no doubt about the direction and purpose of the final judgment. Paul's vivid impressions from Ezekiel are like uh, an, uh, like an uh, approach lightning, lighting system for pilots. You know that lighting system that they have so that they can see where they can land their planes? For example, Ezekiel states that God's wrath is on their whole multitude of Israel. That's Ezekiel 7.12. And Paul says that the wrath of God is revealed on all the ungodliness and wickedness of men. That's Romans one eighteen. Ezekiel says that God gave them up to their evil rituals. That's Ezekiel 20, verses 25 and 26. Paul says God gave them up to their idols. Romans 1, verses twenty four, twenty six, 26 and 28. Ezekiel says they worshipped creeping things, aboma- uh, creeping things, and abominable, uh, abominable beasts and other idols, Ezekiel 8, verse 10. Paul says they worshipped birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. That's Romans 1, verse 23. Then the parallels continue on into redemption. When Ezekiel tells of God's judgments of famine, wild beasts and pestilence and the sword, as I just referred to earlier in Ezekiel five seventeen, Paul refers to those same judgments— but makes it clear that they do not stop God from continuing to love us. He says, Who shall separate? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or the sword? That's Romans 8, as I said, verse 35. He is, in other words, understanding these events as judgments, but not rejection. As we saw... Ezekiel says the results of God's judgments will be that then they shall know that I am the Lord, Ezekiel 7.27. And Paul says the results of mankind's imprisonment in sin is that God will have mercy on all. That's Romans 11.32. So you see, both Ezekiel and Paul see the imprisonment in sin or the judgments from God as having a result that ends in mercy and knowing that God is the Lord, now continuing the parallels, Ezekiel says that God will provide a sacrifice of atonement to forgive Israel for all that they have done that's ezekiel sixteen sixty three Paul says that God provides a sacrifice of atonement in Christ that justifies all the world from sin that's ezekiel that's romans three verse twenty five and five eighteen Ezekiel records Israel as fearing their hope is lost, and they are cut off. And God replies that he will raise the whole house of Israel from the dead. Ezekiel 37, verses 11 to 14. Paul asks, has Israel fallen and been cast away? And he replies, God forbid. Their acceptance again will be life from the dead, and all Israel will be saved. That's Romans 11, verses 11, 15, and 26. And then Ezekiel reports that God God is saying of Israel, I am for you. After all these judgments, God says, I am for you to the house of Israel. That's Ezekiel 36, verse 9. And Paul declares in the light of the gospel, if God is for us, (laughs) who can be against us? Romans 8, verse 31. The parallels, you see, are quite remarkable. And what those parables demonstrate is that Paul is showing us the interpretation of the judgments in the book of Ezekiel, that they are not for damnation and nor are any judgments for damnation, but for correction and for redemption, to lead people to an end of themselves that they may call upon God for mercy. So you see, This is why he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? Look, I want to tell you what you already know. Dire things are going to come upon the world. We know that before the end of time. Troubles that are not worth talking about because we don't have to endlessly... um, uh, berate ourselves with the dreadful things that will happen. What we need to know is who, what is God's mind during all those troubles? Paul has become convinced. He says, you see, at the beginning, what shall we say then to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He says somewhere, I've missed it, that I am persuaded. Oh, yes, it's a little bit later, of course. He is He is persuaded. What has persuaded him? Well, of course, primarily the sacrifice of God himself on our behalf through his son, Jesus Christ. If God is has given his son and not held his son back, but actually delivered him up for us all, and the son willingly came to be delivered, then it is indisputable that God is for the human race. He is, even though it is a sinful human race, even though he has to take it through his judgments, the judgments do not represent rejection and hell. There is no reference to hell in the book of uh, Romans. How incredible, when you think of it, uh, that he's presenting the full gospel here, yet he does not refer to hell. Why? Because there isn't one. There is ju- There are judgments that lead to humility, to a humbling of the people of God, to a humbling of the world, and to a call for mercy, so that it, is tr- it becomes true, as Paul has said in Romans 11, verse 32, that he has imprisoned all under sin that he may have mercy on all. Now, the point that we need to get to in regard to the personal application of this is what is your faith doing in trouble? What is it doing when everything goes wrong, when you get the bad news that a, a loved one has been harmed or hurt or has died, when you get the news that you have been fired from your job, Or when you uh, look at your bank account and discover uh, that it's in the red? Or what happens when you get bad news about your health? Or what happens when you see everybody departing from the Lord in the United States? Not everybody, but there is a decline in church attendance in America. There is a decline in uh, Christian faith throughout the whole world. Where does this lead you or leave you? Does it lead you as well to follow the crowd and decline your faith? Or does do you say, There is nothing in this earth that shall separate me from the love of Christ. All the troubles I am going through I will by faith lift up my heart and give thanks to God that He is working through them. Uh, To me, He is working through them to bless me, to lead me towards Him, to keep me going. I will not accept that trouble is an indicator of God's rejection. You see, people have not heard the gospel properly lately, and therefore they interpret troubles so wrongly. I read uh, only the other day uh, from in the London Times, uh, or was it the BBC? Uh, I, th- I can't remember which. But that several uh, tribal kings in Nigeria had been killed. And they were royalty in the smaller sense of that word in the tribal kingdoms of uh, Nigeria. And a, a, fellow, a member, a relative of these who had died, had said, religion from the West has not worked for us, referring, of course, to Christianity and Islam. We must go back to our traditional uh, rituals, and he was referring to um, ancestral worship and rituals of other kinds, for he said, we never had these troubles uh, when they, when we were practicing those. My goodness, doesn't that sound like something from the Old Testament? These people were determining these royal dignitaries in Africa in Nigeria, were, were determining which gods to worship based upon whether they got safety and prosperity. That's exactly what they did in the Old Testament. We have found and been, it has been revealed to us a new way that all troubles, no troubles whatsoever, determine the love of God towards us. That Christ's death, which was an enormous traumatic trouble, indicates to us the love of God in trouble, not separation from God in trouble. This is what we need to take to heart. We do not stop reading our Bibles. We do not stop praying. We do not go into zombie land when when things go wrong and uh, secretly, quietly uh, believe that God has left us or betrayed us or doesn't care or is too busy with other people or something else. No, we have the boldness of faith to say, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Now as you lift up your heart in this way you will find strength entering your soul and you will see a new perspective on your life. Well, thank you for joining me today. Colin Cook here and how it happens. And I just want to say the funds are rather low at the moment in the uh, Faith Quest coffers, and uh, we're needing your help. This program is listener-supported radio. It costs $39 per 15 minutes, $200 approximately for a week's programs, Monday through Friday, and $850 to $900 for a month's broadcasts. If you could help with a one-time donation, uh, or regularly, whatever can you can afford, and whatever amount, would you please send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. I do appreciate all your help over the years, all your help in the months past and your little notes. Thank you so very much. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.